0: Conscious collaboration brings together entrepreneurs, change makers, and thought leaders. We aim to highlight the people that embody the idea of aligned mind, body, and business. Each week, we share, discuss, and learn from the various experiences and ideas of our guest experts. Through our discovery, we find a path to an aligned mind, body, and business.
1: At the Conscious Collaboration Podcast, we are proud affiliates of ATAPA medical-grade red light therapy devices. Red light therapy boasts a long list of clinically proven benefits, many that I and many of my clients have experienced firsthand. You can be sure that you'll be able to train harder, recover faster, and sleep better with ATAPA red light therapy. Visit myatapa.com, M Y A T A P A.com, or use the link in our Instagram bio to shop with the code collab 15 that's C O L L A B15, for a discount on your device.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast today. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lisa. And I'm Emily. And we're the Conscious Collaboration. We have a really fun treat for you guys today. We're going to be interviewing our very own Emily Zombrecher. (laughs) And uh, I'm super, super excited for this. As some of the listeners may know, Emily is the owner of the studio, spelled, spell S-T-U-D-I-E-A-U-X. Louisiana. Oh, I'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's only taken me a couple of years. She's also the founder and CEO of the Iron Yogi Fitness brand. Woohoo! Yes. Yes. Uh, she's also been. She's also trained both. Still trains Lisa and myself. And so we're super excited to speak with her today and learn. You know how she got started and hear her journey.
1: Excited so- to be here, my friend.
0: Yes. Yes. So let's just dive right in. How did you get to where you are right now? Where, how did Mm. this all start? Mm -hmm. So my background is actually
1: in nursing. I, I maintain my license. I'm a registered nurse and I worked on staff in a neurotrauma ICU for seven years before embarking on this current venture. And I kind of talk about like the drift into this new career in the way that, let's see, I guess when I became pregnant with my daughter in 2015, I started actually focusing on learning about health. And that sounds kind of funny, being that I was already a nurse for so many years at that point. However, what I came to figure out is that while we were really, really good at dealing with sickness and dealing with trauma, we weren't so much focused on health at all and keeping people healthy and what that entails. So you know, that got me interested in learning some new things in the first place. And then once I had my daughter and, you know, I had gained 60 pounds in the pregnancy process, did not just come right off once I had her. So, you know, I had an increased interest in, you know, the fitness portion of it. And actually got into a particular style of yoga that was very workout oriented. But, you know, we also definitely learned the philosophy and things like that. But nonetheless, that was sort of my gateway into the more holistic health world.
0: So what I'm hearing, Emily, is that prior to having your daughter, it sounds like you didn't necessarily do much working out or were you in fitness? Where did you well, ever do sports I, I, as a kid?
1: I, yeah. I sort of had a sporadic fitness background. We'll, we'll call it that. I, I played sports when I was a kid, none, you know, too, too seriously. I did play softball for seven years. I was a cheerleader and my dad was a football coach. So, you know, I grew up around athletics in, in a lot of ways and I would, you know, kind of, Gemini myself into random things. I would like running for a little while and then I would like dancing. And then, you know, I had been in gyms before, but I always kind of dealt with the cardio machines or maybe the circuit machines that didn't seem too intimidating. I was certainly never on any kind of a structured program. So by the time I had Olivia and you know, circled back around to being interested in fitness. I basically, I consider that a starting over point for sure. I was significantly heavier than I had ever been. You know, I really felt like literally uncomfortable in my own skin so that was, you know, motivation enough. Like I knew that things had to change. So I started getting into the yoga and I knew pretty quickly that I wanted to teach it. And I started teaching yoga and I just started developing this urge to like not be in the hospital anymore. So I wasn't really sure at that point in time, how the two were going to marry themselves. Thought maybe I needed something else to add on to that before I could really kind of break off and create my own practice, so to speak. And I was having that discussion with my yoga teacher, my beloved Crystal Palermo, and she told me about this fascia-based manual therapy method called fascial stretch therapy. It was sort of like a Jedi mind trick at the time because I knew nothing about it, had never heard of it, really didn't know about fascia even as more than a vocabulary word, like from nursing school. But for some reason, when she told me that I knew in my gut that like, yes, that was something I needed to do. So I gave them a couple thousand dollars of my money and flew out to Phoenix and got my first level certification in that, you know, and I was fortunate enough to be able to practice that technique a little bit on patient's in the hospital, which is a really cool thing to have experienced. But, you know, towards that end time, I ended up meeting who was to become my now former business partner. And that was the catalyst for taking it from just this idea in my head that I wanted to start my own studio, my own practice that seemed way too big. At the time to a real physical thing that manifested itself so that is how the studio came to be it started as a fascia based yoga studio where we were doing yoga classes and and i was doing the fascial stretch therapy and that has evolved over the years that was in 2018 I learned a fascia based movement practice later in that time, which sort of melded into the yoga. The yoga that we were teaching completely evolved. And eventually, you know, COVID happened and lockdown happened. And Right before that time, I had started to become involved with a local gym, doing some ice bath events and things like that, and started learning some strength training myself, started training with a personal trainer, had access to some facilities there. And what I found is that I was pretty good at it, A, and B, I really, really loved it. Loved it. So when quarantine happened, I was really just kind of like, Getting into the strength training. And I decided that I wasn't going to stop just because I had temporarily lost access to, you know, big heavy fitness equipment. And I sort of used all that stressful energy that was then put upon us to make myself into what I call like a human science experiment and created a pretty successful transformation of my own body and entire fitness regimen over that time that once we came out of lockdown and were able to open back up, I had some clients of mine, some fascia and some yoga clients who were like, yo, like, what did you do? And (laughs) can you teach me? And I'm like, well, I don't really do that. And they're like, well, you do now. And one even went so far as to invest in the initial equipment here. I was then prompted to, you know, obtain all the necessary certifications. And Iron Yogi Fitness was born at that time. And it's just been a snowball effect of evolving itself since then.
0: Is there anybody that you would say was a mentor or a teacher during this time that you look towards for maybe building some of your methods or while you're going through all of that? I know just from knowing you that you did a deep dive into knowledge and wisdom and and learning everything you could learn. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for
1: sure. First resource, I'll have to shout out Lauren Simpson. I was doing an eight week challenge of hers. She is a Australian world bikini champion. She's also got some background in powerlifting and she's very well educated. So she really knew her stuff and, you know, I liked the way she looked and I was like, okay, I, you know, (laughs) and well, also I had A personal mission of building a butt of building glutes because I never had a butt. And when I really started diving into the strength training stuff, I'm like, Oh, okay. So I can just make one. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, Lauren Simpson was pretty glute focused and I started off doing her challenges. And in the course of Looking for a way to continue the exercise uh, hip thrusts, barbell hip thrust, I came across a piece of equipment made by Brett Contreras. Who I didn't know at that time, but was the inventor of the hip thrust. I started following his social media and keeping an eye on his resources, and quickly realized, like, okay, I need to learn from this person in some capacity. He's quite famous, you know, so it's not like I could just call him up and and uh, ask him to train me. But <laughs> I set that intention you know, to make this person, my teacher. And thankfully he does have a lot of publicly available resources. You know, I got the book glute lab, which is like my Bible. It sits up there on the front table here at the studio. And, you know, I say I got even more from that book than my personal training certification (laughs) itself. And he's got all kinds of other things. But as you remember, (laughs) I did end up finally getting to encounter him, to meet him at one point. So for people who don't know who Brett Contreras is, his nickname is the glute guy. He invented the exercise, the barbell hip thrust, and basically created the whole niche of like glute specific training. But he's also just a wonderful expert in strength training women. In particular,
0: and I'm like, can
2: you tell us a little bit around your your fascination or obsession with glue training and why that mm-hmm. is so important to integrate into a part of your practice
1: for sure? It started aesthetically <laughs> aesthetically <laughs> um, <laughs> which is totally fine. you know, I wanted to grow a butt but. It also, no pun intended, (laughs) pun totally intended,
0: (laughs) but it also went quite well.
1: I noted with all the concepts that I had learned and applied with the fascia-based movement that I was doing. And now after having learned everything I've learned, you know, I think about two things, the gluteus maximus. right. The main muscle of the the three glute muscles is the largest muscle in the body, whether you're male or female. Mm -hmm. And I would argue the most functionally important muscle in the body. It's connected to everything via the fascia. And I mean, try doing any kind of athletic movement, try walking, try standing upright without the use of your glutes, you know? So with all that, being said, my question now is why wouldn't we train the glutes as if they were the largest and most functionally important muscle in the body? As it turns out, strengthening my glutes, and it's working this way with a lot of my clients as well, is very helpful in the treatment of back pain.
0: Mm -hmm. I can attest to that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, you know, spinal and pelvic and hip stability. So Like I said, athletic performance, you know, name an athletic movement that does not, that is not improved by really strong glutes. And then, you know, who's mad about having a really nice, butt? I'm
0: not. (laughs) And I know we, um, we covered this, I think a couple of episodes ago, but I just like to keep saying that we personally have an up close and personal picture of Brett Concheris's butt taken by myself. And we like to send it to each other for no apparent reason. No context. And yeah, I keep saying this and I mean it. We need to get it framed and put it up in the studio.
1: It brings a lot of joy to all of our lives.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's just a great greeting. I think to that point too, you mentioned there's the strength and there's some improvement there and stability and the importance of the glutes, but also there seems to be this, like, it's fun basically also to talk about while we're working out, but it it brings about a bit of confidence. And how do you see that translate into your- Big
1: booty energy. (laughs) Yes. What was the last part of the question? How do you see
2: that improvement and that confidence in your clients showing up? And where does that- Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: I mean, it's funny to talk about, but also dead ass serious. Like growing the glutes from an aesthetic standpoint- Sure. Gives you a ton of body confidence, but let's not leave out that it's actually the process of growing the glutes, right. That makes you really start to realize and appreciate what your body is capable of. That's one of my favorite things about, you know, the main exercise that we're using to grow the glutes, the hip thrust is that you know, because your glutes are so large, they're naturally going to be the strongest muscle in your body, even relatively untrained. And so, you know, people can lift and of course heavy, you know, and being strong is completely relative from person to person. But what people find that they can lift is like, oh my God, like I had no idea I was capable of that. So it just, it just provides a lot of momentum to really progress in their entire strength training journey. And then that whole process culminates in greater body confidence and greater confidence in general. Yeah.
2: Those numbers can get pretty big. I I remember starting out just thinking, I mean, just and and you would say like that's how much a baby elephant weighs and <laughs> <laughs> but the numbers get yeah. very big and that's that does get integrated into and I, I know personally in training with you that that injects
1: more mm-hmm. confidence
2: in carrying through other workouts as well and you don't just focus on the glutes correct?
1: right right but that is a priority just proportionally to you know, their size and function in the body. And it also makes me think of something that I show people sometimes when I'm talking about fascia and glutes and stuff. And that is that when you walk using your glutes, it makes your whole body open up and it gives you a natural swagger.
0: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Try Chicken Everybody Get up right now and take a walk with your glutes and watch your like watch your swagger change. So yeah, big booty energy is a real thing.
2: I love that. So can you tell me a little bit, Emily, about those first couple of years um from changing your career into what it is today and how you've been able to manage it?
1: Yeah, well, it's terrifying for one <laughs> to go from you know, one of the most stable and secure jobs out there, nursing, steady paycheck, benefits, health insurance, you know, you will always have a job no matter what to literally negative income. (laughs) You know, I had no business background to speak of. So I was really just learning on the job and you know, crazy imposter syndrome because of that. Like basically if I would have consulted with somebody (laughs) in that beginning time, they would have said like, there's no way in hell you're ready to own a business. You know what I mean? So I sort of just practiced some willful ignorance, which usually is something that like really irritates me, but I was like, you know what? I know I can do it. I just, I know I can do it, but it was really hard. I mean, they say like, what are they, what's the saying? Like, if you're going to open your own business, you have to be willing to live in your car for a year or something like that. Well, having a six-year-old daughter, that's not really a viable option, but <laughs> I did, I it was like a month after we opened my car broke down with like a massive repair needed and, and I couldn't fix it. So I didn't have a car for the first like six months that we were open. Thankfully, I had gotten an apartment like four blocks away from the studio and Olivia's school was very nearby, but it was a rough go of it for a while, you know? And then COVID happens and, and all these things, but it's like, because of all the trials and tribulations and all the moments where it's like, okay, how in the hell am I gonna get past this one? all that and the fact that I'm still here today just further validates that like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. What's so it was saying? terrifying <laughs> to yeah. answer your question, but because of that, I think, you know, any level up that happens now, I appreciate that much more.
0: Yes, I love the, that. The old saying that if it's scary, you're going in the right direction kind right. of thing. And right. Let, let me ask you, Emily, did you moonlight still some in nursing when you first started or did you just all out? Ooh, moonlight. <laughs> moonlight. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it. Or were it like you that, just but... all out like, peace out, I'm done, nice I did you. peace out for a little while. Then for
1: a little while, I was picking up some home health work. Uh, mm-hmm. It was pretty... I don't want to say easy or simple, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't ICU work. You know what I mean? So coming from that, it was relatively like chill and it was flexible. So I could, you know, I could look at my schedule and be like, okay, I can take one visit this day and two visits this day. So I was doing that for a little while until lockdown happened. And my car broke down again (laughs) and that saga lasted for the entirety of lockdown, which I guess if you're going to be without a car for an extended period of time, it's best to happen when you're not supposed to go anywhere, but without a car, I couldn't take home health visits. And, you know, I just look at that now as like, you know, happening for a reason as well, because I think if I would have gotten involved clinically, you know, going into elderly people's homes and stuff like that. I think it would have been completely different situation when it came time to open the studio back up.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like the universe putting a hammer down for you (laughs) rather Mm -hmm. than making the decision to just cut ties on your own.
1: You know, I've got a lot of my old friends and acquaintances as various types of clients, uh, my old nurse friends and acquaintances. So I kind of took that on as like, okay, this is my contribution to, you know, to what's going on.
0: So I know you've talked a little bit about, we've heard you say fascia-based work Mm -hmm. a few times. And I personally, that's how I very first met you because I was having so much back trouble. And so I came in for an hour long stretch therapy, which, and I've had several after that, which they're amazing Mm -hmm. by the way. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about exactly what that word means and what it all entails and how that kind of still correlates with your brand now
1: for sure so fascia for anybody who doesn't know is our connective tissue it connects every cell and every system in the body it turns out that it's super important for the way our bodies move and feel And it's really operates as a, as an entire system, much like the nervous system or the circulatory system. There are, you know, mechanoreceptors that go to the brain and lots of functions. (laughs) So it's, it's pretty important. And I think I mentioned before in nursing school, it was really just kind of a vocabulary word, you know? Okay. I knew it was connective tissue, but like it gives us our physical shape. We would just be sort of a bag of liquid cells without the fascia <laughs> and we like also look at it i guess i mean <laughs> do jellyfish have
0: skeletons? <laughs> i don't know it's just, i'm just like, i can't speak jelly. on that and it's like jellyfish thing moving around
1: i mean we would still have a skeleton but like we wouldn't have you know we would look really crazy <laughs> without fascia <laughs> and we also look at it as like a very energetic tissue. So when you talk about, you know, storing emotions in your body or keeping your issues in your tissues, that's the fascia. So how I first got into it was via the manual therapy method. It's called fascial stretch therapy. Really cool, really, really helpful for a lot, a lot of people. And it was the bread and butter of the studio for the first couple of years that we were here. Now, Ultimately,
2: so too, like the, So the first couple of years, your bread and butter being in the fascia-based, when was it that you shifted or you, you alluded earlier to a big shift within uh, COVID and the pandemic?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I would backtrack a little bit to say that first in between the fascial stretch therapy and the strength training came the fascia-based movement, which one of my very gifted instructors from fascial stretch therapy um eric tower and my yoga teacher crystal palermo ended up creating this method called emerge the practice that is a set of principles and fascia-based movements and it's sort of expanded beyond that since then but that was really useful as an active complement to the manual therapy that I was doing because, and what that helped me realize is that, you know, when you're talking about recovering from pain in particular, you know, we, we focus so much on like stretch and release and massage and having things done to us, passive applications, but that is only one part, and I would argue the less important part of actually overcoming chronic pain situations, the more important part being, in my opinion, stability, because most continuing pain is actually more of a matter of instability than tightness per se. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is some tightness and, and restriction involved in pain generally, but that is much easier to fix, right? If somebody's tight in places than and less dangerous than if somebody is unstable <laughs> in places. So learning that active component, you know, was a huge part of putting all the pieces together and what was ultimately to become Iron Yogi Fitness. And it was also what sort of introduced me to the importance of glutes, as I think I mentioned before, because a lot of that fascia-based movement was based around, okay, you know, we need to stabilize along the posterior chain and really most of our releasing needs to come along the front of the body. So the transition from that to strength training was really almost accidental because it was a, you know, a career move, I guess to, to link up with this gym. And we were doing ice bath events, ice bath and and breath work Ah. events. And you know, I just had an opportunity to take their classes and use their stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, this is great. Like, (laughs) yeah, this is. is (laughs) Emily,
2: I love in hearing your story every time, how you talk about how your teachers and even your students appear to you just so organically in an organic way. Yeah, Um, And I want to hear more about that and what that means to you. And also please tell us Like how exactly did Brett Contreras like fall into your realm?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, and yeah, even before Brett Contreras, I've been a big believer of like, when you identify someone that you want to learn from, like seek out as much information from those people as you possibly can get as close to them as you can, you know, and I did that throughout my yoga teaching journey. And then again, you know, with the fascia and it definitely kind of culminated with, with Brett Contreras. I've had certainly others in between you being one of them, you know, I feel like you teach me on different levels as much as I teach you, Lisa and and Michelle too. Michelle's taught me a lot about business and and things of that nature. So, you know, sometimes they just appear and you're like, okay, you know, I know I need to learn from this person. And sometimes you got to do a little more work and, and seek them out. But I think that is as a teacher, me, you know, me being a teacher myself, the most important thing that I can continually do is to seek out the best people at what I'm trying to do and learn from them super important. And Brett Contreras, you know, I think I was saying I I found him because I was looking for a way to hip thrust on lockdown. And then I, I just started realizing like how, you know, legit what he was doing was. And I look at all these, you know, women that are working with him and they're these like strong, gorgeous beasts, like just like incredible (laughs) And you're like, you know, it's I'll have what she's having. Okay. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, let's, let's, let's all do it. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's created an entire sport from it called strong lifting that has become really the foundation of the strength portion of what Iron Yogi Fitness is about.
0: So why don't you tell the listeners a little Mm -hmm. bit about how, we ended up in California last it year. Did. I, know. I mean, this was literally what a year after finding him, I think. Yeah, pretty much,
1: maybe a little longer than, than after finding him. Cause they were doing amongst their people, the glute squad is what they call them. They were doing these strong lifting competitions. I believe they started like over lockdown or right around that time. And so, you know, they were pretty good about sharing stuff on social media. And I was watching these competitions going like, I want to do that. And (laughs) that's one of my favorite manifestations to cite because, I mean, I really just kind of put it out there lighthearted like that. I was like, I want to do that. And I put myself in that energy, i.e. I was training as if, I were going to do a strong lifting competition at some point in the future. I was just trying to emulate, you know, everything that I could find in the resources that he was putting out. And lo and behold, I think it was June or July of last year. You know, I see the graphic come across my screen, like strong lifting open to the public, August, LA, and, you know, I think the ticket was like 75 bucks or something to sign up. So I just, I didn't even think about it. I just signed up and I was like, Lord, make a way, <laughs> get us <laughs> out to California, you know, and the universe did make a way. We, it's amazing. It's almost you know, Michelle volunteered perfect. to be my compadre, my travel <laughs> compadre and my moral support. <laughs> I started following a training plan that he had sent out to all the competitors and I showed up and I, you know, I was by no means, and I knew this, that, you know, for most of the lifts, I was by no means going to be like one of the stronger people there. I would probably be one of the weaker people in most of the lifts, but I had a damn strong hip thrust. Yeah. A damn strong hip thrust,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> the kicker
1: is, and you know, like the whole culmination of this part I think is still to be determined. You know, I know there's a reason it all went down this way, but basically I wasn't training on the, there's a piece of equipment called the thruster, which I have now, but I didn't have at that time. I had a different piece of equipment that was maybe more meant for a home training. So I wasn't training on the competition grade equipment and as it turns out when I showed up to the competition and just being that I was green, I'd never done a weightlifting competition of any kind. I didn't really know how to choose opening weights, except for, you know, some research I had done on the internet with power lifters and Olympic weightlifters and stuff. And this style had never been done before on a public level. So I didn't have, you know, really anything else to base it off of. And so long story short, I, technically failed all three of my hip thrust attempts. Now, if you look at that video, it's not like I didn't get 550 (laughs) pounds way up in the air. I certainly did, but I learned a very hard lesson about locking out your pelvis, lock it out, lock it out. It's funny because, and I hope Brett gets to hear this one day, but my <laughs> Little thing that I, I kind of made up after that was like from Ace Ventura. You know the whole like Ray Finkel laces out Dan, <laughs> <laughs> lock <laughs> so it I'm out like, Dan. I'm like Ray Finkel and Brett Contreras is Dan Marino, and it's like lock <laughs> it out Emily. <laughs> so I didn't I failed all my hip thrusts and I cried in front of a bunch of people I think I put the fear of god in Brett Contreras a little bit <laughs> he was like, pretty oh, surprised. surprised you guys don't realize that I'm not normally like this crying <laughs> basket case over weightlifting but I, I you know I think it was just that so much Emotion had gone into that training, and there was, you know, there was a lot more behind it than just a weightlifting competition for me. That training was very therapeutic for some stuff that I was dealing with at that time. So, all that kind of emotion just came out. But nonetheless, that was just an epic experience. Yeah. We we walked. How
0: many miles did we walk? Like a half
1: marathon, bro, two days before the competition, which a questionable idea but i think we covered all of santa monica and all of
0: yeah all of venice (laughs) yeah
1: that was a super cool trip and a super cool like manifestation like like whoa we're like legit in california doing this shit so i look forward to more of those for sure
0: yeah so you'll be back
1: Oh, you mentioned the word
2: manifestation too a couple times in this process mm-hmm. of explaining your story, and it's unbelievable. So, tell the listeners for those who aren't familiar with the concept of manifestation and what that might mean, and how that's been integrated into some of your lessons
1: as a business owner. Hmm. I mean, it really just means like making something come to be, right? But my favorite explanation of it that I've come across more recently is that manifestation is like ordering spaghetti in a restaurant. You order it up, you say what you want, clear about it. And then you just let it go. You let the server do their thing. You have not hope that your spaghetti will come, but faith that your spaghetti will come. You know, your spaghetti is coming you might not know everything that happens behind the scenes, the how it's going to get from the kitchen to your table, but you just let it go. You have a conversation with your friends or you know, you go on about your life. You put yourself in that energy to receive the spaghetti so you don't leave the spaghetti restaurant and go to like a taco truck, right? <laughs> you stay in the spaghetti restaurant and you just know your spaghetti is coming. So that's been my favorite Application of manifestation thus far is like, I think you've said it like this: set it and forget it, treat it kind of lightheartedly, be neutral about the outcome as opposed to, you know, micromanaging it. And I love you know, that. I mean, this
2: whole story is just such an example of something being served to you on a platter that you have, in so many words, you've mm-hmm. set the intention of what you desire to do.
1: And then, voila. It Mm -hmm. just appears. It couldn't Mm -hmm. be more perfect. Right. And you do like, you don't sit on the couch, right? Like I said, you stay at the spaghetti restaurant, you keep yourself in that energy. So in, in this case, it's me training as if I'm going to compete in a, you know, in a strong lifting competition. And then.
0: So no fusion spaghetti mix. Like, (laughs) I mean, you could do like some protein
1: pasta. (laughs)
0: Probably. Taco spaghetti? Is that where you were going with? That yeah, she's like
1: that. That. go to the, taco the spaghetti store. restaurant and expect <laughs> to get spaghetti. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't, Don't start. Do that. You know, take up this. You know, try to run a marathon <laughs> when what you just ordered was a strong lifting competition. Yes,
2: right. I love that. Thank you so much. And you're also you talked about too. Just really be idea of embodying throughout that process. So you have been integrating in everything you learn from Brett through his tribe that he creates, and then just kind of injecting every day, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And as it aligns with our theme of mind, body and business, it's almost like I don't even remember how I did it before, before I strength trained like You know, I had been on a health journey for some time. So certainly I wasn't in the worst situation prior to learning strength training, but I mean, this game, this entrepreneurial game is so hard. You add the single mom thing on top of it. I always think of it as like, I'm surrounded by cups. And I've got a pitcher and I just kind of have to keep going around in a circle and keep filling up cups and keep filling up cups. (laughs) And it requires a tremendous amount of energy, passion, fire, strength, mental strength, and cultivating it via strength training, you know, something that's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, really. I don't know how I did it before without that. It gives Mm -hmm. me durability and energy and mental toughness that I just, you know, of course I had a baseline of that. Oh, and self-worth. And of course there were other parts of my journey that contributed to really solidifying my self-worth, but I credit that strength training journey with making it an unwavering quality. Like, like before, you know, like I was pretty good. I was pretty confident, but you know, I could still find myself in situations where I was over giving or tolerating, you know, treatment that wasn't deserved, things of that nature. And now it's just like, nope like I know who I am. I know my value. I know what I bring to the table. And if, you know, if that's not being appreciated for what it is, then the thing's not for me. And that is really the most valuable thing that I've gotten. And so I think that while focusing solely on aesthetics, is probably not the way to go. I think it's absolutely fine to get into it with aesthetic goals and to, to keep aesthetic goals. I certainly have them, but what you get beyond that by building a strong physical body goes far beyond how you look so far beyond how you look. And we only get one vessel in this trip around, you know, or in these trips around the sun, I should say. We only get one vessel. Like, and when you get to a point where it's starting to fail you, you're already behind. Yes. It's important. Like, it's not just something to try to find time for. Yeah. You make time for it, like you would for a job. A client, your child, brushing your teeth, you make time for it. You schedule it. It is your job. It is part of your job. You know, mind, body, business, body.
0: (laughs) So what I'm hearing you say too, is that you were able to literally take your healthcare background, nursing, all of that, and shift from a symptom-based system Mm-hmm. to a preventative care system, essentially through your practice now. And through I your think brand. so. I, I so- think,
1: you know, the more people who are adequately trained and, you know, certainly you add in the other holistic elements of, of the Iron Yogi fitness program, you know, the less people we will have unnecessarily in the hospitals. And this is not to, you know, down like Western medicine, like, thank God we have Western medicine for, you know, if my femur is broken in half or my brains are on the sidewalk, like, yeah, this is, (laughs) I'm glad you exist. But another thing to note, you know, because in the trauma nursing world, I would see some pretty devastating injury, obviously, but we had patients who most people would describe as miracles in, in their recovery. And if I look at any commonalities between who those people were, they were usually fit. Okay. So, you know, God forbid you do endure some kind of physical trauma. If your body is physically durable, then you're going to have a better chance of surviving and thriving Beyond that trauma. So, and
0: they probably had, you know, m- most folks who are pretty fit or are just into being healthy, you know, mm-hmm. regardless, usually have pretty good mindsets because that kind of falls mm-hmm. into place, like you said, with the mind body business. So, mm-hmm. I think that helps all around and sickness and, you know, injury, pain, everything. The all mind, of that. the mind can Absolutely. heal the body.
1: Absolutely. And if all those things are, you know taking care of then you can only show up better in your business and your productivity and and your performance is only going to improve
0: yeah 100% mm-hmm. well where is iron yogi fitness going where do you see mm. your future what's what's on the horizon yeah
1: so exciting so There's a lot going on there, a lot of um, building and creating happening. We already have a functioning app, Iron Yogi Fitness app, which we're using in various capacities with both my in-person and online clients. And everybody's loving it. How can they find the app? Yeah, the app itself is, you know, available for Apple or Android in the the app store. You would go to ironyogifitness.com to find a program which you would be doing through the app. And those are some of the things that I am actively working on are the different kinds of programs that are implemented through the app from custom personalized programming and and coaching to what I'm building. First of all, are several just individual separate programs for people to kind of get an idea of how it all works. There's will be some with body weight, you know, for true total beginners kind of thing. There will be some for like a home gym setup, you know, maybe with just dumbbells and resistance bands, that kind of thing. And then, of course, uh, we'll have some gym based programs as well. And the big thing that I'm building is the Iron Yogi Fitness membership, which will be, you know, a really accessible price for people who maybe can't do, you know, a one-on-one trainer, things like that. And it'll be monthly workouts, monthly, you know, coaching videos and tips to help you through those workouts. Of course, you get access to the app so that you can track all the workouts and it tracks your you know, personal best and all those things. The app will also be rolling out some nutrition functions very soon. And it will also include an on-demand library of yoga, breath work, meditation, and fascia-based movements to supplement the strength training program and really make it that unique Iron Yogi fitness holistic experience. So that is a big thing that I'm working on. I'm also writing a book about it. And that book will include not only just the Iron Yogi fitness philosophy itself, but also a breakdown of from scratch, how to lift basically like, you know, someone who maybe, has no gym experience, or maybe they do, and they just still feel a little intimidated or whatever, it's going to be like, this is a barbell. This is a weight plate. This is how you clamp, put the clamp, you know, like everything. So it'll be a very comprehensive resource. So I'm really excited for that to get done.
0: That sounds awesome, Emily.
1: Yes, love Emily.
0: How much
2: like you are seeing people and meeting them where they are at on their journeys, whether they're coming Mm -hmm. to you from Mm -hmm. the yoga world or desiring strength Mm -hmm. training or already in strength training. You were able to communicate with them in a way this more holistic method that you've developed in mm-hmm. a very beautiful way. It, it's not intimidating to me, you know, myself coming into it, it's all very new. If there's one thing that you could say to our listeners out there, one simple tip that you could give, what would it be for them to get started in their iron yogi journey?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, consistency is key with any, you know, success of any type of program that you're implementing. So to be successful in an Iron Yogi fitness program or, or any program, my biggest advice is to schedule your training or your, you know, your practices, schedule them in as if it was your job. You know what I mean? If you say, oh, I should go to the gym today. Are you going to make it? Probably not. No. Even if you say, (laughs) oh, I'm going to go to the gym today. Are you going to make it? Maybe, maybe not. If you say, you know, I've got it on my schedule. I'm going to go to XYZ Gym at 1 p.m. This is the program I'm doing. And, you know, this is the app I'm going to track it in. You're pretty solid set to go. So commit in that way and schedule it in is my biggest tip for, I would say, success in a program. And, you know, I would just say that everything in life is better when you're stronger. Everything. Yeah. Ooh, I, love I love that. that. Period. <laughs> <Jinx>. <laughs> so if you need any convincing, like that's the deal. And, you know, I hope that with, with all the sort of unique iron yogi fitness principles that add on to the strength training portion of it. So that's like what I call your daily non-negotiables, your breath work grounding and getting sunlight, those things. And then combining with like the yoga and the meditation and the fascia-based movement. I hope that all those things make the strength training more accessible because, you know, I came from a place of not being good at this and not knowing how to do this. And at, you know, a somewhat older age, I was 35, I think before I touched a barbell was introduced to this whole thing. And it's like, when something brings me so much value, I want to share it with all those people, especially those people who maybe didn't necessarily think that they could or should be doing these things. Like, yes, you can, you deserve it. (laughs) And, you know, so I hope to kind of maybe introduce it in a different way for people who might be intimidated by a traditional gym environment. I
0: love that. And it's funny that you just mentioned that you were 35 until you touched a barbell. I was actually just telling your story the other day over the weekend, actually to Mm -hmm. somebody that's older and like 60s, and mm-hmm. when I said that, they gasped. Like, mm-hmm. really? You know, like you had to be 20 to touch a barbell. Not that oh, 35, yeah. 35's young, but um, 35's young. I,
1: but I've had all the way up to Sandra. Shout out to Sandra. Yes, my, yeah, yeah. my yeah, OG yeah. client. She was 69 yeah, before so she I, ever lifted a weight, and let alone a, a dumbbell, let alone a barbell. And she was doing barbell hip thrusts. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love that you can be such an inspiration and role model to people that it doesn't matter what age you are, just start. Just start Mm -hmm. and consistency. Stronger, you know, you don't and you
1: don't ever have to necessarily touch a literal barbell, you know, you obviously have to cater to the individual, but stronger is better. And it translates to
2: so many different areas. I love how throughout this entire conversation we've had with you today, Emily, that there have been, I could change out the word body for business
1: several mm. times. Yeah. Yeah. Directly translates. Yeah. I really feel that. Yep.
0: Well, I am so happy that we got to spend this time with you. Me Thank too. you, Emily. Thank you, Lisa, for going along this journey today. And uh, we look forward to more episodes and I think over time, we're going to continue to dive even deeper, you know, into our stories and pull more pieces of that onion back. You know, it's yeah. a lot to tell in one, in one shot. So, yes. but what an amazing story, right, Lisa? Like it's yes. Just, yes. and it's been awesome to watch you. Like I have said before, I watched you from a distance on social media. I know that sounds really creepy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what we do.
0: <laughs> and uh, You sh- creep on your status. teachers until you find them. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. right. And then, you know, getting to know you more. And then just, I even think even from California until now, until now, how much has just transpired yeah. has been incredible. Absolutely. So I really look forward to, watching you blossom even more me too Uh, and yeah and the future is
1: bright yeah
0: it is
2: your joy in what you do radiates and that's what's attracting people to you Mm. and i can see your vision for iron yogi is is going to be so much more than even what you shared right here so So i think in future episodes we'll be talking about something that even crosses the barrier further so
0: can i have an OG shirt?
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So real quick, Emily, how can people find you, you know, on all the socials and all that fun stuff? I have
1: like 85 Instagrams, but (laughs) (laughs) my personal one is Emily underscore iron yogi. We also have iron yogi underscore fitness and the underscore studio. Again, studio being spelled S-T-U-D-I-E-A-U-X. We also have a website for both of those things. We have ironyogifitness.com and thestudio.com.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you again, ladies. It was another fabulous episode spending time with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. And what do we always say? Talk to you in five minutes.
1: Talk to you in five. Bye. Peace out. Thank y'all so much for listening to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends so they can join our circle of collaboration on this journey. You can find us on Instagram at conscious collaboration podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and audible to name a few. Please join us next time for another deep dive into how you can live life in more alignment mind, body, and business. Send us your questions and comments in our DMs or email us at consciouscollaborationpodcast at gmail.com. See you in five minutes.